Nedarim Perk Ches, Mishnah Zayin 8-7, the last of the chapter, and in fact, really the last of the uh, entire Masechta, as far as the topic we've been discussing up to now, which is the effecting the creation of Nedarim of vows, because the last three Prakim of the Masechta deal with the cancellation of vows, first Tatar and then Hafaris Nedarim. So this is the last Mishnah on that topic, and really it leaves us with a bit of a curveball. It the gist of our Mishnah is that even if a person makes a nether which sounds totally um, sufficient to be binding as it is, uh, nevertheless, if context tells you that the person wasn't didn't mean what he said, what he said was sort of um, a little extreme relative to what he meant, so we will understand or limit the scope of the nether to reflect what we understand his meaning was in context. So, of course, that means the person needs to understand context, understand people, and how they work. And Chazal are, are trying to make those uh, assessments here. So the Mishnah starts out by saying, Translation. A person says to his friend, Whatever I would benefit from you, going forward should be um, forbidden to me as if it were a korban. Mm-hmm. If you don't come now and um, accept my gift and take something on behalf of your son in massive quantities, a core of chitin, a core is 30 saw. The saw is what we imagine to be like a six pack of two liter bottles. So that means saw is roughly 12 liters, a core 30 times that size, 360 liters, a very large amount of wheat. Um, and also two barrels of wine, also a large amount of wine. So this guy, we'll call him Reuven, is saying to Shimon, Shimon, I'm never going to get any more benefit from you ever again unless you accept my gift of this massive gift on behalf of your son. Now, the context is that up to now, Shimon has been a great benefactor of Reuven. He's given him lots of gifts. He's taken care of him, whatever the story is. And Reuven feels indebted to Shimon. He wants to uh, reciprocate in some way. Because of this, he feels a sort of debt of gratitude. He feels that unless Shimon accepts something um, from Reuven, so Reuven's never taking another penny from Shimon ever again. So the idea, therefore, is, as the Misha's understanding it, is that the agenda of Reuven is to somehow bestow a, an honor upon Shimon. Who says Shimon needs the money at all? He's obviously rich. He's a benefactor. But Reuven wants to do something in return. So he says, listen, I'm giving a great gift to your son, so you should be like honored and feel like uh, appreciated, and people should recognize that you're a hush of a person. And therefore, if you don't accept my gift, I'm effecting this, um, this net of never taking another penny from you or getting benefit from you ever again. So the Mishnah says, in such a scenario, the other guy, meaning Shimon, Shimon has the capacity to essentially wipe the slate clean and undo this net as if it never happened, um, without consulting any chacham, no, no requirements for hataras tadarm at all, etc. Um, by simply telling him, I'll come back to that sentence, there's something to be talked about a little more, but I don't have to focus the thought here, by simply telling him, the yomer lo, Shimon says to him, Klum Amarta, you only said it, El Bepnei Kvodi, because you wanted to 
honor me, express your gratitude, and therefore give me some sort of honor, making people think I'm an important guy. And zel kvodi, by not accepting your gift, that is my honor. Everyone will, actually, it's a bigger honor. Not only will people see that you wanted to give me this great gift, but I declined it. So look what a regal, noble person I am. I didn't even accept your gift. I didn't need it. I'm above that, so to speak. And that's even a greater honor for me. So you who were trying to push that I should get something in return and be honored, that's being achieved by me declining your gift. And therefore, even though I don't accept your gift, you are no longer you shouldn't be bound by the netter. You could still get benefit from me in the future. And the mission accepts that as being true. That's how it's going to work. Because indeed we're understanding that that was Reuven's purpose. And if it's achieved by Shimon declining the gift and still being honored sufficiently, so therefore Reuven did his his what he said that's what he meant when he said his netter, and therefore the netter is not binding. Now um the main point here, the massive Kiddush here, is that even though Reuven clearly said, if you don't accept my gift, then your stuff's forbidden to me. Nevertheless, since his agenda was to honor Shimon, if Shimon feels honored by declining it, then the net is not effective, and notwithstanding what Shimon's, what Reuven said, he is permitted to get benefit from Shimon. That's how the Mishnah Paskins. Now, just a side point. Um, it says, Harezi Yechol Lahaferes Nidro. Shimon is able, this guy Shimon is able to be Mayfair to cancel Reuven's neder, shlub al pichachem, without consulting a, a chacham. So this is a little bit of a strange turn of phrase. Normally when you consult a chacham uh, to undo a neder that's called hataras nadarm, we'll learn more about that in the next Mishnah, um, to matir the neder as opposed to be Mayfair, hafara, which is applicable to either a father or a husband who annuls, cancels his a daughter or wife's nether. So it's a little strange they choose the word hafar, hafer, instead of to be matir. Um, notwithstanding, um, that's what the Mishnah says here, um, but know that in the Gemara there is a, a girs in the Gemara on the that it, it quotes our Mishnah saying um, lahatir, as you'd expect. Whatever the case is, the main part of the Mishnah is that um, even though the nether is formulated properly, it's not binding because of the intention of what the noder ruven meant, which is clear from context alone. V'chein, the same principle could go in reverse, says the Mishnah. If konam im kur echad Now, Reuven is the one who's been doing the giving all along. So Reuven has been taking care of Shimon for a long time, and now Shimon, you know, I don't know, Reuven's making a bar mitzvah, and Shimon is expected, in Reuven's eyes, to come bring a nice big gift. And the case of our Mishnah here, as the Gemara explains it, is that Reuven has a son who's Somachal Shulchano. The son depends upon Reuven for his Parnassah. Reuven has come into hard financial times. He needs extra financial assistance. He feels that Shimon should give it to him because of their relationship and what he's done for Shimon in the past. And therefore he's saying, Shimon, you owe it to me to provide Parnassah, food, massive amounts of food and wine for my son, which would relieve me of my financial obligations, which I need now. So if you're not prepared to do that, after all I've done for you, so then I'm never doing anything for you ever again. That's the gist of what's happening here. So, um, what's going to happen if it turns out that after Reuven makes that nether, because he needed the money ostensibly, um, you know, I don't know, Reuven wins the lottery and he doesn't need the money anymore. So he's prepared to say, forget it, Shimon, I don't care, I don't need your stuff anymore. Should the nether be binding until until um, 
Shimon delivers the gift to the son. If you learn this case to be analogous to the previous case, we'd say, listen, his real reason for the netter wasn't about the money. It was about, sorry, excuse me, it wasn't about getting the gift from Shimon. It was about needing money. And since he no longer needs money, it's not binding. Just as in the previous mission, it wasn't about giving the gift per se, it was about giving the honor, which is achieved um, then so fine. So the question is, will the same kind of principles apply in our Mishnah? So the Chacham will say yes, but Rabbi Meir says no. Rabbi Meir says, we take this nether on face value. We say, listen, Reuven clearly said, until you give my son a gift, nether's in place. No gift, nether's in place. Straightforward as that. We take it on face value. Um, which is what we probably would have expected before we got to the mission at all. There is a machlokas between the Ran and Tosfos, what's the previous case? According to um, the Ran, really, and he brings a riot from the Rishalmi, really, Rebmeir has the same position for both cases in the Mishnah so far, meaning he says, listen, a nether is a nether, a person said it, and we take him on a face value. We don't start reading context into things. And therefore, according to the Ran, just as here we say, until the gift is given from Shimon to Reuven, there's a nether in place, so too in the previous case, would also Rebmeir would also say, listen, until um, Shimon accepts the gifts, the, the, the net is in place. Tosa say no. Tosa say that this second case is different than the first case. Um, and the reason why is because it's just, it's normal, it's common for a person to want to honor someone else, to reciprocate, like in the first case of the Mishnah, and therefore honor could be achieved by declining the gift. But for a person to make a netter, you have to give my son a gift because I need the money, and then to not mean it, of course he meant it. And therefore, um, there are different cases. It's not shchiach. It's not common to have this kind of scenario. And not mean it, and therefore, uh, Rebmeir just argues according to Tosfos on the second case. Whatever the case is, the Chacham say no that this case is like the previous case, and they're makel in both cases, and they say Chacham Omrim Af Similarly, over here we could have the neder cancelled even without consulting a Chacham. The Yomar Lo if. Reuven, who originally took the nether, again, Shimon saying, you better give my son a gift or else we're through. Hurry, ani ki'ilu hiskabalti. If Reuven says, you know what, forget it. I don't need it anymore. It's as if I got the gift from my son because I won the lottery. I don't need your money anymore. It was all about needing the money. I don't need the money, so therefore I don't care if you give me the gift. Forget the nether. It's not binding. And the Chacham say, yes, that's true. Even though he was ostensibly, Reuven was taking the nether based on the gift. It wasn't about the gift. It was about the money. It was the money. So therefore, the nether wasn't meant to be binding and doesn't bind him. That'll be the din. So you see, this is gonna. The reason why this is so revolutionary is now it's hard to you have to go back and understand that every time a net is made, we're gonna have some wiggle to understand based on context what a person really meant when he said something. Okay. Now more on this point, the mission continues on a, a pair of cases which are similar to themselves, but a little different than the ones set up to now. We say a scenario where hayumisarbin bo laseis basachoso. A guy is a guy. His Reuven, and he's unmarried. And the family's putting pressure on him. Why don't you marry your niece, Basa Choso, the, the daughter of your sister? Marry your niece, because um, you need a sheikh, and she is a sheikh. It's perfect. Now, um, the reason why the Mishnah went on to focus on marrying his niece as opposed to any old woman um, is because there's a side point here, which is there's a, a, a merit, as I understand, the Mila virtue to marrying one's niece specifically. Uh, maybe it's just one, whether it's just one's sister's daughter, or even one's brother's daughter. The point is, one niece is a person he ought to marry, um, as far as Chazal are concerned. Um, she bas gilo, they're a good fit in terms of their mazalos, how they're 
said to be together. Um, Avram Avinu married his niece in Sarah. I'm not aware of people in any recent time marrying their nieces, but as the case is, that's why the Mishnah picks that, because there's a virtue to that, as far as Chazal are concerned. So, they're telling Reuven, marry your niece, come on. And Va'amar, and not to push back, Reuven says, I'm not marrying her. He says, Konam shehi nanes lila olam. Anything that she would get, any benefit that my niece would get get from me is forbidden to her like a korban. So he's like, restrict. That makes the marriage, of course, impossible. V'chein, and the same kind of thought would be, if Hamagarshas ishto, you know, let me put the punchline. So what's the punchline then? Skipping the next sentence. The Mishnah says, Hare elu mutaris lahanos lo. They say that the netter isn't really binding in as much as the niece, and we'll see the other case in a second, could still get benefit from him. He said, she'll never get benefit from me ever again, but he didn't mean that. What he meant was, I'm not marrying her. But to buy her an ice cream cone? Not a problem. So Chazal understand, although he would, because of the context, they're pushing him to get married to the girl, and he says, no, she's forbidden to me. He meant forbidden to me, and she can't get benefit from me in the context of ishos, of marriage, but not other contexts, and therefore that's all that's restricted. And similarly, another case, this is, in my mind, even a bigger chiddush. The chenamagar shasishto, a guy's divorcing his wife, and after their divorce, he says, konam ishti nehenes lila olam. He says, my wife will never get benefit from me ever again. Whatever I have is forbidden to her as if it were a korban. So, again, the truth is, even the ex-wife, like the niece, could still get benefit from this guy. Why? From context, it's clear, says the Mishnah, that he only meant to make marriage impossible, but not to forbid, proscribe, restrict other benefits to his niece or to his ex-wife, and therefore those other benefits will be permitted to them. Ishus is different, and that's all he meant. So even though he didn't mention Ishus, that's what he meant. The final case, um, which is along those lines, is Hayam Misarav Bachaver Shiyochal Eitzlo. Reuven and Shimon are friends. Reuven's telling Shimon, Shimon, come to me for dinner. Come on. And he puts a lot of pressure to come for this there. I'm making a big dinner Friday night. Everyone's going to be there. I want you to be there too. And Shimon doesn't want to come. And Shimon says, Konam Amar. Shimon says, Amar. Konam Leveischa He says, Your house is forbidden to like a Corbin if I go into it. I can't go into your house. Or Tipas Tsonen She'eni Lach. Or even a drop of ice water. I'm not drinking of yours. It's forbidden. Every drop of ice water is forbidden to like a Corbin. So, since, says the Mishnah, in context, we don't see that Reuven and Shimon were breaking ties forever. Shimon is just saying, I'm not coming to dinner Friday night, and that's it. And therefore, Mutli Kanas Laveso, even though he said he's not going to his house, he can go into his house. And to drink ice water, he's allowed to have anyways. What he meant was eating at the big party, as you do when you're a guest in someone's house, like a proper meal. That's what he meant. He was just using sort of, again, the sort of um, like hyperbolic language of saying exaggeratory, you know, bombastic language and saying, you know, I'm not walking to your house ever again. But what he meant was not coming for dinner Friday night or not a drop of water. He meant in the context of just in the, in the limited context of the, of the, of the, of the dinner. So therefore the mission says, since that's what he really meant, that's all he really is undertaking. Now, question, can he even go for dinner Friday night? So the Bartonura learns, like the Rosh, that he could even go for dinner to that very suda which he was trying to get out of, notwithstanding his, you know, his his nether, hyperbolic nether. Why is that the case? Because as the Bartner learns, he says, I'll read inside. 
You can even go and eat dinner at the guy's house. He never said he won't eat or drink at the Suda. He said, no drops of ice water, no going to the house. But assuming that the, I don't know what, the, the party is in the backyard, in the gazebo, in the garden, and assuming that he's not serving ice water for dinner, but rather drinking wine, so then no problem whatsoever. Why? Because the Devarim Ba'inan Sorry, Dibinadaram, when it comes to being restricted by a nether, Ba'inan Shiyotzib Biswasav, you need to say it explicitly, as the Pasik says in Bemura Periglam and Pasik Gimel, Kekhola Yotzmipivyase. You gotta do what you say. But if you didn't say it, you're not bound by it. And that's that. So therefore, according to the Bartanura, he could even go, Shimon could even go to that dinner Friday night. And he's says, well, you wonder about the previous case, about the Isha's issue. So, that's not the same as the previous case, where the guy talking about his niece or his ex-wife saying, she'll never get benefit from me. That because, you know, some subcategory of benefit is marriage benefits. So when the guy said she'll get no Hana, he meant Hana in the context of Isha's, just some Hana's, the Hana's of marriage. Whereas in this case here, he specifically said drop ice water into the house. That wasn't the issue, though. The, the party's not inside the house. There's no ice water being served at the, at the party. So it just doesn't overlap at all. And therefore, according to the Bartanura, he could even go to the party itself in question. The Rambam disagrees. The Rambam understands that he, he agrees with the mission, of course, that the netters doesn't have, you know, isn't binding in terms of going to the house and drinking ice water in the future. But in terms of the context, he was clearly saying, I'm not going to your party on Friday night. And that he would not be allowed to do. Says the Rambam, and that is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, not like the Bartanur. So that will be the din. Okay. And with that, we finish um, the eighth parak of Nadarm, and really how Nadarm is made in the Masechta so far. And Bez Hashem, parak tests, begins with a new topic of cancellation of vowels, starting with Hataras Nadarm. <laughs>